Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, coming to you from our studio in Dallas, Texas. Judge and I just finished a Scale with Speed podcast episode. I asked him to stay in for this episode of You Need More Money. So if you are interested, if you're a business owner or you manage people and you want to scale with speed, tune into our Scale with Speed podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This one today for You Need More Money is about my three biggest money mistakes. The three biggest mistakes that I have made with my money. And Judge is sitting next to me. Judge, feel free to pipe in if you want to agree or disagree or offer money mistakes that you've made along the way too. Look, man, I don't know why I've been spending um, a lot of time reflecting on this. I, I I don't know why it's been so heavy on my mind recently of why why I made these mistakes I, I I don't know man maybe it's you know my old man died and some people say you 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 don't become a man until you lose a parent even though I never really looked at my old man that way maybe there's some some truth in that but I'm doing some reflection and by the way I think it has a lot to do with our great friendship uh, judge too on this concept of compressing time which is so important to you and I learn from you Every day, every time we're together, the importance of compressing time. So maybe I'm, I'm beginning to, ref- maybe I know that it's working, you're setting in, but maybe I'm reflecting on how much time I fucking wasted, mm. you know, and why at 51, I think I should have been here at 41. But, but the, here's the good news. You uh, can compress it now. Yeah, but <laughs> the good news is I made up the gap. Totally, right? yeah. And, and this, is, this is what I hope to get through to the audience that you can make up the gap too. And let's not be bullshitting each other. You, when it's, you're in bed and your, your spouse is next to you and the kids are down the hall, you are saying to yourself, how am I gonna make up this fucking gap? You know you're behind. And I knew I was behind. And so I made up the gap. I did eventually make up the gap that you're so panicked about. So the beautiful part is you can make up the gap too. There's a strategy. There's a roadmap. There's a process. Go get the damn You Need More Money book. Listen to the more of the episodes of You Need More Money. Go listen to the scale with speed. Freaking do what Judge and I tell you to do and burn the ships and come to it. The point is you have to make up the gap. Yeah, I... Matt, I, uh, you know, I, one thing that, that baffles me as it relates to this, and, and, and we see it even in current businesses we have together now where we're not the operators, and we know, you know, people that have attended our events or whatever and situations that they're in, and I'm like, how the fuck are you not just, I mean, just driving desire to win. I mean, when I was in a state <laughs> where I was struggling to pay bills and I had no money, dude, I, there was no... No distraction. There, well, fuck, there, I, there was no other option. I, I was like, dude, I, I am going to fucking... I mean, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I worked till midnight and I took a nap, not because that was the hustle, that was the requirement to fucking win. And, and, and it, it just blows my mind. I don't know if that's built into people, but we see so many people that struggle and, and they only put in a tenth of what it takes. I mean, who is it? It's uh, 
it's Jocko, I think, that basically says the human body, you know, when you think like you've worked out, dude, you've only got like, you've only burned like. He says 40% is when the body starts, when the brain starts to say, please, no more, no more, no more. And you got 60% to go. I think it's the same thing, right? These people live in this cycle, man. I hope I'm not like derailing your, your podcast here. Dude, get to freaking work. Don't like you, whatever you think this effort is, if you consistently are in the same situation and it's month six, that effort doesn't fucking work. Let me help you. <laughs> like It's time to go harder and go deeper and more focused. Well, I think that's going to connect to my first uh, money mistake of the three that I'm talking about here today. These are the three biggest ones. And by the way, you know, just for clarity, I could make a list of top three things and mistakes that I've made in a lot of areas, right? <laughs> but that's not today's podcast. That's not this podcast. We're talking about money. But trust me, I can make the top three list of, you know, marriage and freaking fitness and parenting and probably all kinds of shit. But this one, we're talking about money. The first money mistake which I have made, and I guarantee you this audience is making it as well, is I had no end game. The hills that I were climbing, which is exactly what you were talking about. People climb hills that are too fucking small. And they get to the top of it, however long that took, however their perception of difficulty right. was, and the long hours they put in. And they get to the top of the hill, and they're like, fuck, this hill isn't high enough. It didn't create enough of a benefit. And that problem is solved by having a crystal clear end game. That is the number one mistake I made in my climb was not having a crystal clear end game and doing the official math of what I wanted. And that's why it took me too long. Yeah, it, it, it did. And, and I think it's important, Matt, to, to really, I mean, something that, that I think we're both starting to experience in some of the deal flow and, and circles we're, we're getting into is, here's the other thing too. Once you hit a certain hill, there's people that have climbed it up there going, oh, bro, there's another hill. And by the way, you don't have to climb. I've got a, a what's the thing that takes you up on the ski? I got a ski lift. And we, we'll yeah. get up there in a minute. Yeah, man. And, 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 and so, you know, make sure you're climbing the right hill and do whatever it takes and get there fast enough because there's always another hill and there's people that have climbed that hill, they're going to show you how to get up a mountain in a minute. Yeah, but the concept that the audience is thinking about is, <clears throat> you know, well, yeah, that sounds a lot like mindset, right? Well, you know, have, have you, no, no, no. Here's what oh, we're talking work. about. <laughs> Dude, we're talking about hole up yeah. someplace. I don't know whether it takes you a week in a hotel room. It takes you a half a day in a hotel room. I don't know. But you need to block undivided attention and build out this roadmap. The end game with the, the roadmap. Game. What the do you want? Game. Why do you want it? When and the fuck when do you want it? When the fuck do you want it? And, and the proof of concept of this, of, of how it all changed for me, was when I hired Jim Renner. The, the audience has heard me talk about it. You heard me talk about it a thousand times. I hired the best possible guy in the equipment finance industry to build out the roadmap to get the company to $100 million. And he said it would take three years, and I did it in 18 months. And it changed everything. That one decision to hire Renner and spend the money to get the end game roadmap built out 
was the answer to all the years that I was climbing hills and grinding and fucking working and not being present at home and all that sort of shit only to get there and say this isn't enough. Mm. Take the time to build out the end game, what you want, how much is it, <clears throat> how you gonna get there, and when. Mm -hmm. That's the number one money mistake I made was I didn't have crystal clarity on what this fucking end game was gonna look like. And, and to your point about that ski lift, dude, it was amazing at 100 million. At 180, it's like, it's like the, who would have ever thought? Mm -hmm. But from 100 to 180 was so easy compared to, to, to get to the 100. So the number one takeaway that I want you to do and learn from, from us today is build out this fucking end game. So with the roadmap. With the roadmap. But and, go, and go pay for it, dude. It's not, that shit isn't free. Whether you come to burntheships.com or spend, you spend way more than you spend to burn the ships. Dude, knowledge allows you to leapfrog, and that shit costs money. Yeah, but if you don't have the money and you, and you don't, it takes some time. I promise you, your family will spend more time, you being the audience, will spend more time on your Disney vacation than you will you hold up in private, quiet time, building out your life end game, financial end game. Yeah. So just think about that. You you guys will spend. But, but I'm gonna days. I'm gonna push back when you say you don't have money. We just got off the sizzle thing, right? Don't go buy fucking Gucci shoes <laughs> on your credit card and, yeah. and max that out, or skip the family vacation one time, one time, and max the credit and don't max the credit card on that. And go spend four grand on building a plan that you can take any fucking vacation you want in 24 months. Yeah, or by the way, um, you know, I got a client, um, you know, he drives a truck six months out of the year. He surfs in Costa Rica the other six months out of the year. Doesn't give a shit about um, uh, retirement or yeah. cash flow safety. He just wants to live today. So if that's your end game, fucking knock yourselves out. Both of us would support it. Your yeah. end game doesn't have to be our end game. Right. But you better have a, a plan. And that plan better be way bigger than you think. So that's my first money mistake, and I guarantee you know it. The second money mistake is so simple. I just didn't compress time. Because I didn't have the end game, I didn't have the roadmap to be able to follow as fast as I possibly could. By the way, I want to follow it fast. You listening want to follow it fast. You are a fucking hill climber. You just don't know what the fuck you're doing, so you can't compress yeah. it to make it What happen. kind of shoes do I need to wear? Do I need a pick? Is it going to snow? Right? I mean, th this is these things have to be planned out. But that's the magic about the success you had at SQ1 was it was a five-year plan. Crystal clear endgame, developed roadmap, relentlessly followed, executed per the plan. You compress time in five years. It took me 18 before I really understood the importance of an endgame. And during that whole period of time, Judge, and for you listening, I wanted more the whole time. It was like, I've had the pain. Where's the fucking gain? I've had the pain. Where's the gain? I want to do more. I, I wasn't coasting. It just wasn't, the results weren't meaningful mm. enough because I didn't have the clarity of really what I wanted. Sure. What I do, I picked a number, 100 million bucks, found a guy to build me the plan, he builds me the plan, the check clears, I execute in, in half the time that he thought was possible. That's compressing time. Mm. 
Imagine if I'd done that in year one. What would happen in year five? Mm. What would have happened if I did it in year five? What would have happened in year eight? What if I did it in year 10? What would have happened in year 12 or 13? I missed a decade of not compressing. That's why I'm so relentless to, I'm 51, the rocker will never have to, if something happens to me, the rocker will never have to work another day in her life. Preach. And, and commercial fleet has nothing to do with that. Mm. No, no liquidity of commercial fleet or sale of commercial fleet impacts the rocker's ability to live the way she wants for the rest of her life. You got that game? You got that end game figured out, dude? Do you have that figured out? What 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 better? Maybe that's why I'm spending so much time thinking about it because the achievement was to get to a point where the rocker would have enough money to never have to work. Check. Check. Rocker never has to work without commercial fleet being part of that quick check. What's next? Now it's time for a new in game. Which you and I have multiple other things, but it's truly now a game. Mm -hmm. That's when it's fucking fun, you know? So number two biggest mistake is I didn't compress time. And I wanted to compress time and I knew I would do it. I just needed the end game figured out. Yeah, I think, you know, that that is, uh, that's such a, I believe it, right? I mean, I'm, I wrote a book called Scale with Speed. We have a podcast <laughs> called Scale with Speed. I believe fundamentally there is a, a such a lack of the appreciation of the uh, how speed plays a factor in the equation of success in business. Mm. And, and if you're not operating at speed and you're not appreciating the compression of time and the momentum that creates, you're, you're, you're missing a big opportunity. Dude, it's so vital. Somebody should write a book. Oh, we already did write a book. <laughs> Dude, it's so, it's so, it is so misunderstood in business. Yeah. Everybody's looking for comfort. They're not looking to compress fucking time, and it is the key factor. All right, the third mistake that I made is I didn't, number one, I didn't know how rich people thought, and therefore I didn't think like a rich person. I thought like a middle-class person. I thought... 2.5 kids and the white fence and home ownership and 401k and all that sort of stuff. I didn't understand how the rich think. And by the way, thinking like a middle class person is worse than thinking like a poor person. Because when your ass is busted broke, you only got one place to go, man, and that's up, mm. right? It's better to think like a poor person and a busted ass broke person like I was than it is to think like a middle class person. But neither of those two thought processes connect to how the rich think. Mm -hmm. And so I began to study and learn and understand and ask simple, humble questions to rich people. How do you think? What are you thinking about? What do you talk about to your friends? And I came up with a list of what, what the richies think about. The richies. I like that. The richies. <laughs> The richies understand that money is a tool, mm. right? Preach. It's a tool used to make more money. Yeah. Isn't that, uh, I mean, isn't, isn't that how the rich look at money, Judge? They don't look at it like, like, you know, a thing that you should be afraid to talk about or something that you shouldn't have too much of. Right. It's all about the leverageability of a dollar to make more dollars. Chess. It's chess, not checkers. The second thing that the Richies talk about is how can I trade dollars to make dollars? If I put up a buck 
how much can I make? Mm -hmm. If I take debt on something, how much of a greater return than the debt expense can I make? And therefore, debt is no longer bad. Mm. It cost me three to buy the property, and I make eight someplace else. I netted five. That's a trade of one dollar for more dollars. I, you know, I can tell you right now that I'm, I'm looking at that. I mean, my house um, is paid for, right? <clears throat> and I'm thinking, I'm exploring these advisors I've been talking to, and I'm thinking about because the interest rates taking at least half of my equity out mm -hmm. potentially, mm -hmm. right, and putting that into working vehicles. Mm -hmm and just pay that down. Sure. And you know, the, the type of money we're talking about could be significant. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, conversely, um, you know, you're in an incredible position to have that house paid for, you know? <laughs> I mean, so the thought process is the way I would argue it, and I, and I think there is a version of this, and I, I remember a real rich guy telling me, um, he said, do you put your house on your personal financial statement? I said, yes. He said, then you, you're not there yet. Yeah. It's like the rich don't put their house on their personal financial Yeah, I, yeah. You know. Um, the, the third thing that rich people do that I have learned and now do and appreciate is they don't buy cheap. Mm -hmm. They buy the good shit. Mm -hmm. well, but, well, because I think they've learned that buying cheap, ultimately I'm going to end up spending the same price, and it's just <laughs> going to be more painful, more headaches or whatever <clears throat> You know, I would rather just, I would, you know why that is? I'm going to compress time. Because when you buy fucking cheap, whatever, service, product, whatever, what do you lose? Time. It doesn't work. It takes a step back. It breaks. It doesn't. When you buy that and it costs more, you've actually saved time. And time equates <clears throat> to money and, and the ability to have freedom. Yeah, so so many people when they go to Amazon are sorting for the cheapest, and you and I are sorting for, for the, the highest reviews yes. and the and fastest prime. delivery time. Amen. So that is the that is the solution to the problem, yeah. not the cheapest flight. I mean, I have yeah, to. Yeah, dude, I've, I, that's so. I've never I, on Amazon. It has to be four stars and Prime. I don't even fucking. I mean, you know, I mean, they're all relatively not expensive. But I don't even look at price. My mom will will say, "Hey, I'd love to come and." and visit with you guys um see the see her grandkids i said awesome she's like just go find me you know whenever a cheap flight pops up i'm like mom you don't you don't get it mom i'm not concerned about a cheap flight just tell me the date you want to come that's right. it i i'm trading the dollars for time for her i mm -hmm. i would much rather pay quadruple the price of the flight to get you down here than to wait for you to come and see your grandchildren because the flights are too expensive. Yeah, or because you understand if she if you're picking her up, right, unless you're having a car pick her up, and she picks some crazy time <laughs> because it saved you 200 bucks, but it fucks your whole schedule up. Like, you know, it's just. The Richies don't buy cheap. Number four that the Richies do, dude, this is so important, is they learn to offset risk. No, listen to what I said. I didn't say avoid it. They learn to offset it, to hedge it, and they do it through research. It's the simple question. I talk about this in the book. Why is it that some people call themselves real estate investors and they own one duplex, and somebody says they're real estate investors and they own 5,000 doors? Why is that? Two different that? things. It's the, it's the difference in the perception of risk, and risk is offset through research. The biggest reason you listening 
think something is risky is because you haven't done the research to offset the risk. The research will tell you one of two things. Yes, it is risky, it's not a smart decision, or it is a smart decision. The paralyzing in the middle, the inability to make the decision, is because you haven't learned how to do the research to offset the risk. Mm. And so everyone tell, dude, I, I, you know, it's this old thing, man. I, this guy, my neighbor, the judge, decent guy. I guess back then I would have said good guy. Now I would say maybe barely decent guy, right? <laughs> He's the reason I bought that building. Mm. Buy the building, man. You'll sell the building for more than the equity <clears throat> in the business. That's what happens. What a terrible, it was the worst fucking advice. I was pigeoned in this little was, building for six years. It was, it was terrible. I, mean, I, I think we get back to this idea of counsel, right? I mean, I'm, <clears throat> this is relevant, so I'm talking about right now, I'm exploring different financial advisors. Dude, I want a financial advisor that has more money than me. Yeah, Why the fuck sure. do I want that? <laughs> because they, they know how to make more than I have, and I want to be doing what they're doing. So if you're asking good questions, to the wrong people, expect the wrong answer. Yeah. All right. The next one. The riches pay up for great assets. Right? So I'll use the lake house as an example. I paid up for it, but it's there's five houses on the street. It's the last house on the street. The next guy will pay up for that house because of the location. Now, you don't have to do that. You can go find, you know, the little shit box on the lake and work your balls off five days a week and try to rise up and go to it every weekend and be unimpressed with yourself and your results. Or you can pay up for the great assets because the great assets go up in value. Dude, that building that I bought six years later did not go up in right. value. Because you bought a shitty asset. <laughs> I bought a shitty, inexpensive asset on bad advice. Yeah. The only thing I took from that was the equity that I built up through making payments. There right. was no appreciation yeah. to that asset at all. Yeah. Right? The Richies buy great assets. Well, and then also you paid tax on it, so you probably lost. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so if you broke even, you really lost fucking 40%. Oh, but I got the depreciation benefit for all this. It's just so preposterous. The Richies buy great assets. All right. Second to last one. This is a big one, dude. The Richies understand how to make money, and they have put in mechanisms to throw off tokens i love that tokens that's you how i say that the machine, the machine has machine to spit tokens. out tokens yeah. man i mean that's how that's how the rich think eventually they say i trust my ability to earn and i know in your situation you never doubted that right you always knew how to make money i mean weren't you like in high school selling pagers and shit like that or what in were you? elementary school in elementary school Pencils. yourself Quick story. Yeah. So my mom is a. Uh, I uh, uh, love my parents. Great. I mean, but but dude, they were hardworking, right? I mean, we we didn't live uh, in the best neighborhoods my younger years, and and they worked relentlessly three jobs, full time job, weekend jobs, you know. And so I just I, I learned this 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 idea of, of hard work, and 
because of the neighborhood we lived in, they didn't want me to go into that school system because it was super rough. So I started going to a private school and they had to drive an hour. I mean, it was a whole fucking thing. My parents are amazing to, 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 mm. to do that for me, right? And my mom was an art teacher. <clears throat> and at the time, she would get these, you know, 50 pencils in this cool box that were a little thicker than a normal pencil and they had like designs on them or whatever. And I don't know, she probably bought the things back then for five bucks, right? Or whatever. And she gave it to me one day as a like, Hey baby, I got this at, at school or whatever. And you know, you can have it on, you know, you know, your pencils. Now we had to have a pencil, a number two pencil, um, for our math every, every day. Right. And to take tests or whatever. But then also there was this trend. Remember pencil break? No. It's where you would somebody would hold a pencil and the other guy would would try to hit it. It was a game, okay? okay. And these these were cool pencils and they were a little thicker, okay? So I get the concept and I'm like, dude, I have no money. These kids, different story, right? Like the reason I have all those Jordans in my my closet, I, I just didn't have cool shit when I was little. So I was like, how do I get some money, right? And I'm, dude, this is I'm I'm Jets age. I'm in like third grade, and so I take these pencils. And I start selling them for a dollar a piece. So a dollar times 50 pencils, I made 50 bucks. Mm. I, then my mom brings home more and I'm selling these pencils. <coughs> and all of a sudden I've got, you know, 300 bucks under my bed. And the reason you, there was somebody wanted the pencil because it was a little thicker and they couldn't break it. Yeah, for they, pencil break they they all, the or also they lost their pencil for math class. Yeah, yeah. And then I was taking their lunch money that they were gonna <laughs> do. So instead of them having three bucks for lunch, they now had two bucks for lunch because I was taking it. And so the, the headmaster calls my mom and she goes, we got a problem here. Good news, bad news, what do you want first? She's like, well, I guess the bad. Your son's suspended. Oh shit! You want the good? Yeah, he's a hell of a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you trusted your ability to make money. Yeah. So, so I digress, but it was a, it's a great story. So yes, I, I've been figuring out ways to make money since third grade. Yeah, it's a key to the riches. All right, the last one, which dovetails to what you were talking about earlier, which is the the you know the decisions you're going to make with this financial advisor. Um, thing you you trust your ability but you still seek out the counsel totally and that's what the richies do too they don't doubt their ability they're not searching out counsel to believe the other person's advice they're searching out counsel to confirm from highly successful people that what they think they should be doing is correct mm -hmm. And that's a big fucking difference. Mm. They believe in themselves and their own strategy. Look, I, I believe in 99% of my own strategies, but I still enjoy the process of bouncing the ideas. In fact, on the, on the lake house, um, I don't know if you remember, but I called you and I'm like, hey, here's what I'm thinking about, you know, from the down, yeah. what do you think on it? I already knew what I was going to put on, <laughs> right. but I like the game. Yeah, no, I knew that too. Of, I of, told you that. <laughs> you already know. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I like, but remember yeah. even in the negotiation of it, right? We, I was calling you and saying, what do you think? You know, is it going to be an extra 50 that's going to get me this thing or what? You you, tr yeah. you trust your own instincts after a while, but you're still... You're seeking it, yeah. You're bouncing for the ideas. You're still... It's not a sense of weakness anymore, right? Yeah. A lot of people think yeah, if they ask for point. counsel, that yeah. it shows weak. It's 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 a trait of great smart business you, people. You, that you, you know, the other thing I, we should bring up to this audience, and and just now I'm starting to learn this, dude. No question's a dumb question. Yeah. 
right? I mean, e even on some of these deals I'm in now, I was shot like everybody would go silent on a Zoom call or something. And I'm going to throw it out there because maybe somebody doesn't want to say it. And everybody's like, oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Totally. Dude, don't just try to sizzle and fake it. I don't care how dumb you think the fucking question is. If you don't understand it, ask. And a great way to start that is, hey, I've never done something like this before. So f forgive me for my ignorance, but I'm a curious person. And this is a lot of fucking money for me. So help me understand this. Totally. And they're all thinking the same thing. Yeah. Everyone on the other side. The one that makes you feel stupid for asking that question, that's the group you need to be worried about. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Know? Those yeah. are the guys that don't want you asking those yeah. questions. Yeah. This, the, the, and, and this is a perfect example, not to get into the, the details of the deal you're doing, but you're already in the room, mm -hmm. right? So it comes down to the fundamentals, which are always basics. Chopping wood, blocking and tackling, those questions are never, ever dumb questions. It doesn't ever. matter how sophisticated the room is. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Tell me again how we make money. Yeah. What's the economics on this? What is that? What's the tax implication? I mean, just walk me through this yeah. again. Tell me who the ideal client is again. Tell me who the competition is again. Well, even on the deal, we were on the attorneys. Like, we're asking this, like, dude, we've never done this type of structure. Help me understand upside, downside, yep. mitigation, risk, tax implications. I've, we've never built an entity that has that structure. I need to understand what the fuck it means. I learned that real early, dude, because I, I, you know, large publicly traded banks buy our loans. And I remember very early on, I remember this, I would come back to the office and I would say, those motherfuckers need us more than we need them. Mm. I just remember being in these big conference rooms and walking away saying, these guys don't know shit. But it, it took me a while, right? This being, finally being around these PE guys and super intimidated and i'm like no, no no that's your value bro this is mine yes and and now i see it right because you have a harvard i no disrespect anybody ivy league you've been groomed to this you understand numbers dude i know how to fucking win yeah i know how to speed let me stay in my lane you stay in yours and own that room own your unique ability and don't get intimidated by it and ask fucking questions yeah one thing i learned on that too and took me a little while to get that is um, the real Harvard PE guys, that's all they give a fuck about anyway. Yeah, too. Don't <laughs> they don't give a fuck where you went to school. Yeah. They only care about how we go make money. Yeah. Right? They don't give a shit about pedigree. Yeah. They, as far well, as educational pedigree, yeah, they care about resume. Show me real. Yeah. yeah they that's want, the pedigree. Your resume has to be real. It doesn't matter if you went to school or not. So, look, I hope <laughs> this helped you. The three big money mistakes that, 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 that I know I have made, the three biggest that, I, that I've made, the beautiful part is um, I made up the gap and so can you. I promise you, you can make up the gap. The first thing you got to do is build out the end game. The second thing you got to do is freaking compress time. And the third thing you got to do is start to think differently. Mm. And the people you need to think differently is you got to think about the people that got it. And so we broke it down. Judge, thanks for being on it with me and giving your perspective on it. Yeah, I hope it was, was good. It was. And I, all I can stress to the audience here on this one is, listen, we have to do a plug with Judge here, too. we gotta, we got to plug Burn the Ships. If we, The third pillar that we teach at Burn the Ships, probably about 9.45 in the morning on first, is the end game. It is the, every single one of these three we teach. 
right? Yeah. It's some, some form of it. Burntheships.com. <clears throat> appreciate you guys being with me. Thanks for the likes and the shares and the comments and all that sort of stuff. And I'll see you down the road. We'll